We're going to begin a series of studies today on the Great Commandments. And I'm concerned at looking at these two Great Commandments that we understand certain things from the very outset. When Jesus talked about the Great Commandments, he said that there were two. Not one, not three, but two. Let me read that section in Matthew 22. Well, we'll start with verse 34 to get the context. When the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, that is uh, not a lawyer in the sense that we think of one today, but uh, one who knew the Old Testament law, that he was a religious man, not a, not a legal man in the sense of, a, of an attorney or something of that sort, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, one of these sharp theological questions. Here it comes. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, he was hoping that uh, Jesus would put one of the Ten Commandments above the others, and then he would probably try to, try to uh, uh, catch him in this and uh, ask him on what basis and so on, and then he could accuse him of uh, thinking that certain commandments weren't as important as others. <clears throat> so which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost or first commandment. Then he went on to say, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So Jesus gave him a lot more than he was bargaining for. The man asked for one, he gave him two. The man was thinking of the Ten Commandments, he talked about the whole Law and Prophets, that is the whole Old Testament, the whole Revelation, all the scriptures from God were dependent upon these two things. In other words, you could sum up everything in all the Bible into those two words. That's a tremendous thing to think about. This is the whole purpose of the Bible. This is the whole purpose that God had for giving us his book, namely that we might learn how to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and we might learn how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Have you ever thought of the Bible that way? The Bible is a book on love. In a sense, it's a love letter from God that tells you how to Make your own life a love letter in response to God. It's a letter from God that, that gives you the directions on how to live in this life. You know, if you love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and loved your neighbor with all the intensity that you have in loving yourself, there isn't anything you do wrong. There isn't anything that you do poorly. You do everything properly, and you do everything in the right manner, and you do all the right things. So, in a sense, you know, it really does sum up all that the Bible is all about. This man was looking for a fight, and Jesus taught a tremendously significant and eternal truth to us. That you could sum up all the commandments of God and all of the Bible in the two words, love God and love your neighbor. Have you ever thought about that now? The first set of commandments has to do with loving God. If we think of just the commandments themselves, and of course all the Bible is the outworking of the Ten Commandments in a sense. 
all the rest of the laws and all the rest of the commandments in the Bible are really just a reiteration of, of the love of God and the love of one's neighbor. But the first commandment's about making no other God, having no other God before uh, the true God and uh, making no idols and not bowing down to them and the commandment to, to uh, uh, not take the Lord's name in vain. All these wonderful things about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how to love him how to worship him properly, how to think of him properly, how to have the right relationship to him. And of course, all of it is as the result of his love, prior love to us. The scripture tells us that the only way that we could possibly love God is if we have received first his love to us. First John tells us we love, that is the church, those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we love because he first loved us. That's why we love. That's why we're able to love. That's why we can get along. How we can get along with God? Only because he did something first. And so, you see, our love for God or our love for our neighbor is conditioned, first of all, upon our love for uh, his love for us. That is, we must first have recognized that love. We must first have come to the place where we see ourselves as sinners, condemned, lost, unable to do anything worthy of God or anything pleasing to God. And that God loved us even though we were helpless, as he says in Romans. Even though we were uh, enemies, he says in Romans. He loved us and sent his son to die for us. As it says in the scriptures, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. There it is. It's all summed up in that great summary word. Why is that verse so important? Because it talks about this great love of God which enables others to love him and love one another. So we can't even begin thinking about how to love others or how to love God until we first think about how God loved us in Christ. And you know, it's not just a matter of his having loved us in terms of having uh, brought about our salvation. That's where it all begins. When we put our trust in Christ uh, and consciously come to realize what he has done for us and believe in him, then we are justified by faith. Of course, we couldn't even believe in him until he gave us the strength and the ability to believe by giving us new life. We were dead people, the scripture says, until the Holy Spirit regenerates us or gives us new life. Then we begin to love. We begin to love the one who loved us. And the standard for our love is the kind of love that he showed for us. You see, all through the scriptures, Jesus Christ is the standard for love because he's the one who lived according to those Ten Commandments. He's the one, the only one who ever kept the law. He's the only one who ever obeyed God's will. And he's the one who came to show us what love is all about. But no man can love until he has the Spirit of God in his heart enabling him to love. Until then he has the picture of Jesus Christ and his life clearly before him as the example for his love, setting the example for what these commandments mean. And so the Christian is the one we're talking about here. And that's who Jesus was talking about here when he said that this is how a person loves. He knew that only those who were redeemed and regenerated and who had his own example in view could learn to love. As I have loved you, he says, you love one another. So, our love for God is dependent upon his love for us. Our love for our neighbor is dependent upon God's love for us. 
If you don't know the love of Jesus Christ and you have never trusted in him as your Savior, then all we're going to say in this series about these two great commandments is not for you until you come to that point. And so we've got to start here today about talking to, uh, in talking to you about your salvation. If you're a sinner whose sins have never been forgiven, then recognize what true love is all about. It means Jesus Christ came to die on the cross in the place of guilty sinners bearing the penalty and the punishment and the wrath of God that they deserve for their sins, that through faith in him, sins might be forgiven and eternal life might be possessed instead. If you see yourself as a sinner, if God is speaking to you today and he is moving your heart through this message and through his word, then you trust in Jesus Christ, depend upon what he did on that cross for you, and you too will be saved. And then the love of Christ will fill your heart and enable you to follow him. We pray this for many today in Christ's name. Amen.